Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Ottawa puts the kibosh on TikTok. A Hamilton entrepreneur cashes in. The fourth annual March Padness is about to begin, raising awareness about rare diseases. McMaster gets new federal funding. And grab an orange on your way to the shower. We'll explain next with the GMH podcast. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. The Canadian government, as you heard yesterday, been hearing in the news all this morning, has banned TikTok from all government devices due to what is being called an unacceptable risk. We're making the decision that uh, for government employees, for government equipment, it is better uh, to not have them access TikTok uh, because of the concerns uh, that people have in terms of safety. Uh, This may be a first step. It may be the only step we need to take. But every step of the way, we're going to be making sure uh, we're keeping Canadians safe. The Prime Minister also defending a Liberal MP who CSIS said was part of a Chinese foreign interference Network. Lots to unpeel here. Dr. Robert Hewish is an associate professor in the Department of International Development Studies at Dalhousie University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Hewish, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks very much. The uh, PM says, like many other countries around the world, his government is banning TikTok on government issued mobile devices. Are, are we poking the bear, or should this move have happened long ago? Yeah, I think we're a little late to the game, uh, to be honest. I mean, this is something that came up on um, <clears throat> other Five Eyes partners, so Australia, New Zealand, um, England, uh, and, and the UK knew about this uh, earlier, and now even the Americans are debating about it as well. So the, the the thing is that what the Australians cracked up with this in, uh, I guess it would have been the fall of 2022, they realized that uh, just how extensive TikTok's data collection methods were. And really, it includes the ability to collect user contact lists, access calendars, scan hard drives, including external ones, and actually geolocate devices on an hourly basis. So Australia said, well, that is that is way too much data collection and does it create vulnerabilities for people in, in the public sector? And uh, when you look at the fact that this app is able to essentially geolocate uh, employees and then uh, triangulated also to your calendar app, you know, you know exactly where people are and where they aren't. And that is a security risk with any government function. Are you at all surprised that the government said, hey, Canadians, you should you should dislodge yourself from this app as well? You know, I think that's something for, for Canadians to really consider because, uh, you know, most of the apps that we have on our on our phones are are making money through some form of data harvesting. So there's no uh, there's no ifs ands or buts about that. If, if you know, you look at just how much uh, from grocery shopping apps to gas station apps, they're they're collecting data on our on our on our behaviors and using that uh, to to make some profit. But the thing with TikTok, where most apps and uh, other social media, you can sort of tell it to, hey, quit tracking me. TikTok uh, grants all permissions by default. And so when a user doesn't give it permission, it kind of persistently asks for it. So if you were to tell Facebook, I don't want to share something, well, it won't ask you again. But TikTok is a lot more aggressive. So that's really the key to it. And with so much data getting into this company, uh, especially when it comes down to geolocating and and, uh, other cross-references to other other apps within the phone, uh, that's a lot of data. And the question is, why collect so much? Uh, you know, data is, is important. 
But what's even more important is who uses it and how. And uh, when you're talking about Internet security in China, I mean, there's always an eye on anything uh, that, that goes on on the Internet in, in China. So, yeah, it, it is legit risk. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Dr. Robert Hewish, Associate Professor at Dalhousie University. We're talking about uh, the Canadian government banning TikTok from all government devices as of today due to what they're calling an unacceptable risk. Back to poking the bear, how do you think China is going to respond and do they do more than just saying, hey, you shouldn't have done this? Well, this will be interesting because what we see with TikTok isn't actually a government of China app. It's uh, you know controlled by uh, ByteDance, which is a which is headquartered in Beijing. And the founder Zhang Yimit, he's like number twenty eight on Bloomberg's billionaires index. So he's he's quite the character. And so if we see that uh, the the governments around the world, so Canada, European Union, uh, particularly this week, who are calling this out, they say, hey, look, this is a shady device. Uh, if the government of China says, no, we're going to come to uh, Mr. Zhang's defense and say, hey, you're, you're sanctioning one of our citizens, that's something we could likely expect to hear from uh, from China. But if they if they don't go down that line and they say that this is an, an affront against China itself, well, then that's uh, that's a bit more of a, a direct hit. Uh, in either case, there's going to be some some commentary from Beijing for sure. And we've seen, especially in the last six to eight months, that any sort of tap or poke uh, towards, uh, towards the bear, as it were, uh, usually comes with some very hostile and gnarly language coming out of Beijing. Got 90 seconds to talk about the alleged election interference by Chinese authorities. And Global News reported Friday that uh, a Liberal MP, Han Dong, was allegedly helped by the Chinese consulate while running, uh, running for the Liberals in a Toronto riding. What do you make of this? So that's uh, that's not great when we hear this, uh, you know, especially when we've we've got laws in place to prevent uh, foreign interference with our elected officials. And there's already a lot of questions around just how deep the the interference went in uh, 2021 and 2019 elections. So I, I think what what's going to have to happen here is to to see just how far the inquiry goes and sees what sort of data gets gets collected from this. Uh, you know, it, it could be one of these situations where the, the influence actually got into uh, you know into the offices of certain MPs, and if that's the case, they're, 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 people are going to be standing tall for that. This is something that Canada has to take very seriously. Uh, other countries uh, are doing the same thing. New Zealand has had its crisis with Chinese interference in their elections, both federal and at municipal levels. Ditto for Australia, and right now in the U.S., uh, there's a new FBI case open every 12 hours that's dealing with China's foreign interference. Wow, that's amazing. Dr. Hewish, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Robert Hewish, Associate Professor in the Department of International Development Studies at Dalhousie University. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This was pretty cool when we heard this the other day, that a Hamilton entrepreneur has become the first winner of the Black Entrepreneurs and Businesses of Canada Society's Black Pitch Contest. Micheline Kahn is the owner of Althea Therapy and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Micheline, good morning. How are you today? Hi, good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Uh, Micheline. Micheline. Well, thank you for the, uh, the correction and thanks for coming on today. Your reaction to winning the Black Pitch Contest? It I Honestly, it was a... It was a really great experience, and I think anybody 
who has the opportunity to win things um, and win funding for for something that you've been building is a really uh, exciting moment. So I'm just very grateful. Talk about your pitch. What did you do? So I essentially pitched my my business, Althea Therapy, which helps people get access to culturally responsive mental health professionals and resources. Um, and our goal is to destigmatize therapy and really improve mental health outcomes for underserved communities, um, but really framing it as a, a culture first approach and an anti-oppressive approach to, to therapy. Um, and so we have an app to find culturally responsive mental health professionals in Canada. And we also have live virtual programming that's just rooted in this um, culturally responsive care. Are there roadblocks right now for individuals trying to get mental health uh, support or help? Yeah, there's lots of roadblocks in general for 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 most people, right? So there's a lot of stigma with with mental health. Um, cost is a huge barrier. There are a lot of systemic barriers. Therapist bias, you know, when they don't fully understand um, a person's cultural context, you know, and um, really making space for that and affirming kind of cross cultural care and um, even understanding the the multiple forms of oppression, how it impacts historically marginalized communities and how that shows up in and shapes their distress and their life experiences. So how does Althea therapy help in that regard? How are you breaking down those barriers? So I think in a few different approaches, I think, firstly, a lot of people from from marginalized communities don't typically use or access therapy or when they try, they're usually kind of hit a lot of barriers. And so what we've been trying to do is, is firstly, create kind of a hub of um, you know, black, indigenous, and racialized mental health professionals to really increase visibility to know that, okay, these professionals exist and they're here. Um, but also ensuring that we all also follow the same essentially kind of principles. Like, you know, how do you practice cultural humility and provide culturally responsive care? And so all the therapists on our platform essentially sign off to these principles to ensure that this is how they um you know, they interact in the therapeutic process. So that is one area. And then through our programming, we really want it to be the first touch point for a lot of people who maybe haven't accessed therapy before. They don't know where to start. Maybe they didn't have a great experience their first time around. And so we essentially guide them through that process and provide them with affordable and accessible resources to help them get started. I imagine you're receiving some tremendous feedback on how you're approaching this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've had um, a lot of really overwhelmingly positive support and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I know it's also a space where not a lot of people um, understand it quite yet, you know? And so I think it's been a really educational experience as well. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Micheline Kahn, the owner of Althea Therapy, the first winner of the Black Pitch Contest that was put on by the Black Entrepreneurs and Businesses of Canada Society. What was the pitch process like? Was it an eye-opener? Was it pressure-packed? Talk about what you were feeling. Sure. Um, it was a really, really good process. I've done you know pitch competitions before, and a lot of them have different processes. And so this one essentially you submit, you know, an application, but also a video essentially, you know, verbalizing your business plan, right? So you're pitching your business, you're explaining everything that's in your business plan, your traction, um, uh, your competitors, everything like that. And, you know, we go through a different criteria and they kind of narrow it down. And the actual live pitch competition was amongst myself and four other finalists um, during their, the Black uh, business summit. 
And so it was a nerve wracking uh, process, but really great. The other founders are doing really excellent work as well. In winning the uh, the first ever Black Pitch Contest, you're taking home $25,000 as the grand prize. What is the money going to be used for? We're going to use it to expand and scale our, our programming. So I'm I'm really excited about that because I think it's an area that a lot of people need support in. And ideally, being able to provide this to um, inclusive employers who really want to provide um, equitable and inclusive uh, mental health support to their employees. And I think a lot of employers... Um, are really looking for this and struggling with it and trying to find the right resources. And I'm really hoping to um, to build that out and be able to um, provide more of those resources to more employees to really help us grow and scale. What, what is the end goal? How big do you want to get? How, how big do you think you can get? That's a great question. Um, I think right now we're just focusing on scaling properly across Canada and really making sure that we're um, representative across the country. Well, it's a great uh, it's a great answer. It is a great goal to have uh, all the details online. If you want more, AltheaTherapy.com. Micheline, congratulations. Thanks for joining us today and good luck down the road. Thank you so much for having me. That is Micheline Kahn, owner of Althea Therapy. And kind of cool that a Hamilton entrepreneur is the first ever winner of this black pitch contest that saw numerous individuals uh, and uh, and companies, organizations pitching for this grand prize to say, hey, look at us. We we're moving the ball forward. We're trying to get the best out of uh, individuals or our products and helping people uh, get to a better place. And uh, Micheline going home with 25K. That's pretty cool. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, it is back. 900 CHML, an essential aid and family services of Ontario in association with Shoppers Drug Mart and Joe Fresh present the fourth annual March Padness Personal Care and Menstrual Product Drive. And here to talk about it is Paulette Menard, Director of Community Investments with Shoppers Drug Mart. Paulette, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. As we have seen uh, in the past with this initiative, it's it's obviously very impactful. Why did Shoppers Drug Mart decide to get involved? Yeah, so, well, Shoppers has a long history of supporting women's health at both the national and local level. And when we look at issues of period poverty in particular, which I know uh, this initiative is aiming to address, it's a, a pretty serious issue. You know, one in five menstruators in this country uh, simply cannot afford period products, which are a basic essential. So Shoppers Drug Mart is committed to stepping in and helping out where we can and helping organizations like Essential Aid ha- Hamilton with their drive. I would imagine this is getting worse because the cost of living is getting much higher. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It's certainly something we're, we're tracking. You know, we saw a recent study by Plan Canada International, Plan Canada International that said, of menstruators occasionally or regularly skipped activities because they simply couldn't afford menstrual products. And that's just simply unacceptable. So we're committed to helping um, where we can with donation of product and also with donations to help organizations purchase the products needed to help those who are vulnerable and, and need it. What kind of donation goals have you set internally at Shoppers Drug Mart? Uh, We have some, you know what, this year we're doing a lot more when it comes to menstrual equity. So uh, we are ramping up our partnerships 
uh, nationally and locally. So um, we haven't set specific donation goals, but what we have done is said uh, we're taking a look at this issue in a much more serious way and, and offering our support where we can. So, you know, at the national level, we're supporting an organization like Moontime Sisters, which is helping menstruators in remote and northern Indigenous communities. And at the local level, we're supporting organizations like Essential Aid Hamilton, who are responding to urgent and critical needs in, in your communities. And at the end of the day, too, this is about empowering people, I think, by giving them these necessities. Absolutely. Like if you think about not having access to a basic essential, you know, you're not able to go to school, you're not able to get to work. Um, and we really are um, serious about addressing those gaps for women's health and for menstruators when it comes to It is a phenomenal initiative, and uh, we're glad to see the Chopper's Drug Mart is on board this year. Paulette, thanks for the time today. Uh, Best of luck uh, with raising some funds. Thank you. Take care. You too. Paulette Menard is the Director of Community Investment with Shoppers Drug Mart. As we know, no one should have to go without these essential needs, these essential products. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Today is Rare Disease Day, and I didn't know this until I did a little research the other day, that there are more than 300 million people around the world living with a rare disease. I didn't think that number was that high. Uh, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky is a mitochondrial disease specialist at McMaster University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Uh, Dr. Tarnopolsky, good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. Uh, 300 million people worldwide living with a rare disease. As I said off the top, that, that number, I would have never guessed it was that high. What's the focus of Rare Disease Day today? focus uh, that I'm particularly interested in is mitochondrial disorders. And these are little beasts, if you will, that live in every cell in our body. And uh, they once were a bacteria that invaded our cell about a billion years ago. And we gave them residence inside our cell so that they could detoxify oxygen and take the food we eat to create energy. So really, these things are involved in making energy for all of our cells. But there are genetic disorders where it doesn't work properly, and it can lead to a variety of neurologic disorders. So how does that happen? Well, uh, the mitochondrial DNA is inherited from our mums. So that's a small little piece of DNA, which comes from mums to all of their children. It makes the backbone of this mitochondria. The rest of it comes from the DNA we get from our mums and dad. But every once in a while, there can be a mistake where a letter in the DNA is changed and it doesn't build a proper engine. It's sort of like your car being out of tune or your furnace not working properly. And as a consequence, uh, if your furnace doesn't work, you don't get heat. If our mitochondria don't work, you don't get energy. And it can lead to a variety of issues like blindness, seizures, strokes, weak muscles, and a variety of other uh, disorders. Wow. So are there any red flags for this? Do you know that you have uh, this illness? Well, one of the things that is particularly um, characteristic is when you see multiple tissues In medicine, we think of neurology or gastroenterology, but when you've got multiple tissues involved, so for example, a child that goes blind, but they also have a liver problem, given that mitochondria are in every tissue, when you start to see multiple tissues and organs involved, that's certainly one tip-off. But the majority of the children and adults we see, it's something in the neurological system. So multiple stroke-like episodes without blood clots, um, seizures, um, droopy eyelids, eyes that don't move. Uh, suddenly going blind, a variety of different disorders can occur. And are certain populations more at risk than others? Well, not really. Uh, We do find that the genetic disorders are spread throughout uh, different ethnicities and across the world. Um, But uh, it may be interesting if you think 
300 million around the world is rare. Pretty much every one of us has a degree of mitochondrial disease, and that's the natural damage we get to our mitochondria through pollution, wear and tear, and just normal human aging. And so things like hearing loss, cataracts, uh, to some extent, uh, the memory loss that we get as we age, these are all linked to mitochondrial dysfunction. Dr. Mark Ternopolsky is a mitochondrial disease specialist at McMaster University, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What kind of research is being done into this? And I would assume that more funding is necessary to hone in on uh, specific applications that can help people. Yes, indeed. Uh, We were uh, the first group uh, to do a clinical trial back in 2006, where we took a variety of different nutrients, including things like coenzyme Q10, alpha-lipoic acid, vitamin E, and creatine. And we actually found improvements in mitochondrial function and a lowering of this damage marker called oxidative stress. And so we've now tried to improve upon that. And we've been fortunate to get a grant uh, from uh, Mito Canada to uh, keep working on developing better therapies to target the multiple issues that happen at the cellular level. And uh, we're getting some pretty exciting results. Uh, And some of these can be used to treat common things like obesity. Um, We've actually used mitochondrial enhancers uh, for uh, fatty liver disease, for example. Uh, And even as we age and our muscles get weak, uh, we can put a variety of these together to try and boost the function of mitochondria. So what we learn from our patients, we're transitioning to the common disorders that we see throughout society, which are involved in mitochondrial dysfunction. Can an individual get on top of this through, I don't know, eating healthier, being a little more active? Can we combat this? Oh, indeed. Yeah. So um, my colleague, Tanya Tavasalo and others have clearly shown that regular exercise, even in patients with severe disease, uh, can be a potent therapy. So from a preventative perspective, definitely that's important. But then if we know, for example, that someone's carrying the gene, so for example, if their brother comes in who goes blind and we know that another brother's at risk, we put them on these multi-ingredient supplements. Uh, We tell them to avoid smoking, uh, binge drinking, and to take on a regular exercise program. And we've had dramatic success, even in the most severe disorders. The key, though, is identifying them early before there's too much damage done. And that's where we really have a strong impact. Uh, But every day, every month, uh, our research is bringing us closer and closer to making this less and less of a problem. Is there, at the end of the day, a, uh, I'm not a pill pusher, but is there something that we can take to avoid going down this road and, and, and not feeling healthy? Well, I think for uh, all of us who have uh, mitochondrial dysfunction with aging, there's no question that the things our grandmother told us, uh, eating well, avoiding smoking, not binge drinking. And interestingly, there's been a recent link between sleep and the mitochondria. So if we have optimal sleep at night, when we go into deep sleep, we turn on these clock genes, which then activate our mitochondria. So all of those simple things go a long way to making us healthier and keeping our mitochondria healthy so that we're happy and healthy for longer. Oh, that's great information for our listeners. Dr. Tarnopolsky, thank you for your time today. Oh, you're most welcome. Have a great day. You too. That is Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, a mitochondrial disease specialist at McMaster University. They had a, a Mito Spin event that took place over the weekend, raising money for um, research like this and uh, research that uh, will combat many diseases here on Rare Disease Day. For more information, you can head over to the website rarediseaseday.org and find out how you can perhaps learn a little bit more or help out, help out if, uh, if you're able to do so. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big news out of the federal government yesterday announcing a new investment in the McMaster Manufacturing Research Institute uh, delivering uh, a new training program for future aerospace professionals. 
Sounds very interesting. Philomena Tassi is the minister responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario, Liberal MP for Hamilton West, Ancaster Dundas, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Ms. Tassi, good morning. How are you? Oh, great, Rick. Thanks for having me on this morning. Why was this funding important to you? Why does it have to happen? Well, a, a couple of things. First, I think it's realizing the expertise that we have here and the collaborative spirit that's at play. And this this is a $3.8 million uh, investment. And really what it, it is to do is it, it is to skill up uh, aerospace workers. And uh, this money will, in fact, uh, skill up 340 uh, aerospace workers. A hundred uh, spaces are for Indigenous peoples to occupy. And it's important because this is an industry that is um, uh, that is important in Ontario, and it's fantastic that Hamilton is leading the way with the uh, certificate of completion program. And ultimately, this is going to help SMEs because there is a lot of opportunity in Ontario in the aerospace industry, and we as a government want to make those investments so that we're creating those good-paying jobs and ensuring that we're always at the cutting edge of this industry. Do we know how many aerospace professionals are going to benefit from this funding? So it's interesting, Rick, because the stats, your listeners may find this uh, surprising. 30% of the work happening in Canada's aerospace industry is happening right here in Ontario. And in Ontario, there's 200 companies that employ over 20,000 workers and brings in $6 billion of revenue. So what this program is meant to do is to allow these workers and SMEs to be on the cutting edge So the workers will be able to participate in these programs, get the latest and greatest training and skill set development by this partnership coming together. So the partnership also includes Mohawk College, Downsview Aerospace Innovation Research and Ontario Aerospace Council and bringing this expertise together so that we are positioning workers to be right at the, you know, uh, at the cutting edge with the latest and greatest up to date training so that they can continue to occupy this space. In Ontario and in Canada, can it can maintain a leadership role? Are there is there a shortage of aerospace professionals in Canada? Yes, like this. So the Airy, the uh, this whole program, the Aerospace Regional uh, Recovery Initiative, which was set up by the federal government, is really meant to ensure that we can address this shortage. So we want to encourage workers in the aerospace industry. Industry, we want to ensure that they have the skills so that it is a strong industry. And we want to ensure that those that, that the planes that we see actually continue to have uh, parts made in Ontario. If you, it's almost every passenger plane in the world, if you can believe this, has Ontario-made parts. So this is about ensuring that we stay competitive, we stay in this industry, and that we reap the benefit. Um, we know we have the, the workers, and we, uh, but we want to get them the skills and the training that they need. And we want to attract new workers into this industry because we want to take advantage of these uh, good-paying jobs and the economic growth that can be gained in this industry. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Philomena Tassi, Minister Responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario, a Liberal MP for Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas. This is off-topic, but as you know, TikTok is being banned from all government-issued mobile devices. You're included in that. Do you agree with this move? Well, look, I think that it's really important to recognize that we take the security of government information very seriously. Um, and it's actually the chief information officer that, that, that determines that TikTok presents an unacceptable level of risk 
um, for the privacy and security of government information. So this, this move is for government devices. I absolutely agree with following the advice from the chief information officer. Uh, the, the approach is in line with our international partners, including the U.S. Um, I think that this is a precautionary move. It's a necessary move for now. We absolutely don't want to compromise uh, the security of the of information. So, so in, in short answer to your question, I think that this is a move that we need to take now. Continue to look at this because we can't put the security of this information at risk. Were you on TikTok at all? I I was not, Rick. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> you're you're better for it, Philomena. I'll, I'll say. It, does this move have any correlation to the alleged influence that China's had on federal elections? So this is what I would say. I think it's important for listeners to know that we safeguarding the democracy of this country, ensuring that our elections are uh, open and fair and free of interference is really important for our government. So this is why we set up an independent panel, um, and that panel determined that the 2019 and 21 elections were free and clear because this is where there was allegations of this Chinese interference. You know, we've, we've passed legislation, Bill 76, which closes the gaps in foreign funding. Now a committee is going to uh, take a look at this. I think that this, the, these paths are all really important. We have to ensure that our do- democracy is preserved. This is uh, a top priority for our government. So we are going to continue to take the actions that is necessary to ensure that, uh, that our democracy is preserved. And in uh, in is, is free of interference. Ms. Tassia, thank you for your time today and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well, Rick. Delamina Tassi is the minister responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario and a Liberal MP for Hamilton West Ancaster Dundas. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. You will not want to miss, or at least your kids or grandkids are not missing, the latest TikTok challenge. Now, don't fret, we're not eating Tide Pods once again. No, this time, we're actually doing something a little, or actually a lot, healthier than that. Have you ever eaten an orange in the shower? It's the latest TikTok craze. Some are calling it life-changing, a life-changing experience. So I thought we have to ask an expert on this. Shannon Crocker is a registered dietitian and nutritionist. You can find out all the information about her online at shannoncrocker.ca. Shannon, welcome back to the show. How are you? Oh, thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm good. So apparently we're eating oranges in the shower now. Your thoughts on this latest TikTok craze? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know what? I think um, I think it's pretty, pretty wild. You know, I can't imagine taking food into the bathroom. I don't know about <laughs> you, Rick, but like, there's a lot of germs, you know, notoriously hanging around in the bathroom. So that's kind of the last place that I want to take food. Um, but I do get that, you know, people are saying that by, by opening up the citrus and eating it in the steam of the shower, it's helping them to feel good. And, and there is some, some science behind that because there are essential oils in the, in the peels in particular of the orange. And when you, when you open that orange up, some of those, you know, they're volatile compounds or essential oils, they're released into the sort of mist. And, and there is some evidence that, um, you know, that orange scent or citrus scent could be a grapefruit or a lime can help to perk you up and help your mood to feel, help you to sort of elevate your mood Um, momentarily at least. So this would be, I guess, triggered by not only the essential oils, but the, I guess, the heat and humidity of the shower to kind of, I don't know, mix it all together? Yeah, exactly. What it does, it sort of makes those um, 
odors, the orange odors or the essential oils, a little bit more volatile. They sort of mix it with the humidity. They they spread around there. Also, sort of it's warm in your mouth. And, you know, part of um, flavor from food is, is about the smell as well. So that it might intensify. Some people say it intensifies the flavor of the orange as well. Although, you know, I've seen I've seen that debated as well. But definitely, I don't know if you've ever been in a you know, in a sauna or in a spa where they put in eucalyptus or sometimes it is citrus essential oils, it definitely fills the space so much more when there's that humidity and that warm mist. Do we necessarily have to eat the orange, though, to feel the benefits of these essential oils in in the atmosphere? Well, really, no, it's about the scent of the essential oils. So you don't have to actually eat it. So what you could do is eat the orange in the kitchen, take the peels into the shower there you and go. Then sort of split them open. And then you'll still get some of those benefits as well. Besides an orange, and by the way, we're, we're chatting uh, about the latest TikTok craze about bringing oranges into the shower and eating them in the shower. Shannon Crocker is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shannon is a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. You can find her online at shannoncrocker.ca. Are there better fruits uh, that we should be bringing into the shower, at least their peels, than an orange? Or is that is that the cream of the crop? Uh, you know what? I would definitely say, you know, I wouldn't take a whole orange into the shower, but the peels, okay, sure. I think the orange is probably the best one. Um, oranges or uh, lemons also have the same um, sort of uh, essential oils as well as grapefruit. But orange is typically the one that has been studied more to show that um, it, it's going to have kind of that mood boosting. But any of those sort of citrus fruits, it wouldn't necessarily work with with other types of fruit. And, you know, I guess the bottom line for me, Rick, comes down to like anything that's going to get you to help to, you know, to eat an orange or to eat more fruit. Well, then, you know, you do whatever makes you happy. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? If you have a really juicy orange, I guess, you know, the, the positive is the cleanup's rather easy. It'll just, I guess, go down the drain. But are there any cons to doing this? Uh, well, you know what? I mean, certainly I, I can't I can't think of too many except for maybe, you know, those potential germs. Like what happens, you know, if you drop your orange in the shower? Like, do you eat it or do you not eat it? <laughs> I don't know about that. I definitely would not be eating it. Uh, I think that, um, you know, one of the things we talk about as, as dietitians, as nutritionists, is that we want people to be mindful of their food that, that they're eating so that they can, you know, get the true enjoyment out of it and be satisfied. Um, so that's why we say things like, you know, don't watch TV while you're eating your meal, right? Like focus in on eating your food. So I think, you know, I've seen where people have said, well, now you're not focusing on the food, but I, I think you're kind of actually focusing in on it even more when you're in the shower. So, you know, I don't think there's any harm other than, you know, possibly, you know, like I said, the germs that you might, if you set it down on the soap dish or something. What you're referring to uh, in terms of eating and doing something else is is called coupling, right? You're doing two things at once, uh, one of those being an important thing like enjoying a meal and you're you you're not uh, enjoying it to its, uh, I guess, utmost potential if you're busy doing something else like watching TV or even working. Right. Well, you know, we call that mindful eating, right? So you're paying close attention to the foods that you're eating instead of also doing something else. And, you know, really what that stems from is that we want people to be able to be paying attention to the foods that they're eating so that they do um, really appreciate it. And also so that they don't, um, you know, overeat, because typically if you're if you think about what happens when you're watching TV, for example, or when you're sitting at your desk working and you're eating at the same time, you sort of lose track of what you're eating. 
right? So, you know, you can end up eating more than makes you comfortable or that your energy needs are there for. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons why we suggest that you don't do that coupling. You don't eat and do something else at the same time. You just eat and enjoy the food. Yeah, one thing I don't know is whether or not people are eating the orange and then shampooing and conditioning or the other way around. I'm not sure how it works, but to each their own, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. And like I said, you know, hey, whatever's going to get you to eat more fruit, right? Like you want to eat in the kitchen, you want to eat in the shower, like terrific. Just as long as you're eating the fruit, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Yes. And, and forget about the seven second rule. If it hits the canvas, it's, it's done. If it hits the shower floor, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, always appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Rick. Thanks again to Shannon Crocker having a little fun with us this morning, a registered dietitian and nutritionist. You can check out more of her information, uh, including some awesome recipes, shannoncrocker.ca. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.